Welcome to the Divine Career Design Podcast. I'm your host, Jody Palmer. Week to week, you'll hear me interview experts in their fields of study, the highlights and challenges within their career, what an actual day-to-day looks like in their practice, and how to become an expert like them. There's so much to share, and I'm excited to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Divine Career Design Podcast. This is Jody, and I'm your host. I'm in studio today with Mike Gelman, and he is an expert who helps clients create the necessary clarity, confidence, and capacity to achieve amazing levels of success and satisfaction. He is the author of Pipe Dreams, Seven Pipelines of Career Success, and the CEO of High Five Career Coaching. He brings 15 years of experience as a career and executive coach, facilitator, and trusted advisor to emerging leaders and seasoned executives within nonprofit and Fortune 500 organizations. Mike is also an ICF certified coach with a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology. When Mike isn't coaching clients, he enjoys running, hiking, nature's photography, volunteering, spending quality time with his witty teenage son, Jonas. So welcome to the studio, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Jody. Yeah, happy to have you. Is there anything there that I didn't touch on or highlight that you would want to also include for our listeners about your expertise or what you love or your passion for what you do? Yeah, well, you know, we're in interesting times right now. So, um, you know, I'm just passionate about being active and, and helping others be their best selves. And, you know, during this whole coronavirus situation um, and racial strife as, as well, um, it's, it's really uh, getting to some deep conversations in the coaching that I do. So, so you facilitate that all in the conversations with your clients? Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge and it's something that's surrounding us and Right. And definitely impacts us. the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So yeah. what would you say it looks like when someone is at a place where they would want and or need maybe they don't know it, but they need it, mm-hmm. and maybe they don't want it, but they need it. What would you say a person looks like or thinks or their thoughts are before they actually discover you and what you do to help them really navigate that that challenging time of career uncertainty. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the symptoms, I would say, they might be complaining to their friends quite a bit, right, about how awful their bosses or their coworkers, uh, or they may be, you know, hey, I've, I've applied for 100 jobs and I'm not getting any responses, you know, things like that, or they might be obsessing uh, over, you know, whether it's a job search or if they just feel lost altogether, you know, Mm -hmm. they're feeling like they're disengaged, maybe they're becoming depressed, Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't unusual, especially when someone is, you know, struggling in their career or to just start out, like with teenagers, you know, many of them are more in the present, they're not always thinking about that far ahead right. in the future. They might be thinking about college, but not as far ahead all, all the time. And for teens, there is a balance there, right? Of being able to live in the moment. And actually this probably applies to all of us, to live in the sure. moment, but to have a perspective of the future. That mm-hmm. you want to have an idea about where you're moving and the direction you're going in, but you don't necessarily need to stay on that 
it's not a path that's going to be perfectly outlined. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. It really is more of a journey. And one of the ways that I sort of like to describe it is there are multiple ways that I can get from where I live to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And how to get from where I live to Disneyland, there's a route that takes on the freeway, there's a route that takes side streets, there's a route that takes highways. So there's a lot of options for Mm -hmm. how to get to Disneyland. Ultimately, my end destination is going to be Disneyland because I do think that that's actually a truth that we all have a purpose Mm -hmm. for why we're here on, on the planet and who we're here to serve and impact. But how you choose to get to your destination is what you have the free will of of getting to do. That's your, that's your piece where you get to make yeah, that choice. Absolutely. And, and I love in, in your book, how you talk about, and you sort of have shared a little bit just to go was this idea of the symptoms and you don't really sugarcoat it for, for your readers. You really are great at allowing them to find places where they can grow and have mm-hmm. success, but also recognize the area of responsibilities in what they can do personally and professionally to impact their own personal growth. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to, yeah. to speak on those because a lot of these symptoms, and you even talk about maybe them being some blind spots sure. in, in you know, a, lo- a young adult's life and, yeah. and maybe even a teen's life. So w- what, what kind of wisdom would you care to share with us about that? <laughs> Where to start? Well, you know, we tend, we tend to coast, right? We tend to, inertia is a powerful force, right? And so whatever's been set in motion for us in our life, wherever we are right now, it was set in motion oftentimes when we were yay high, you know, I know those listening can't see, but you know, a few feet off the ground mm-hmm. and when we're really little and there might be messages that uh, we heard from our parents and internalized and we said, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be or that's what I'm supposed to do. Might've been from teachers or, you know, all well-meaning individuals in our lives. And so then we end up now where we are and we might even recognize that we're we're not happy mm-hmm. with it, but we just continue to go with it because that's what we've always done. And in our mind, our, our mindset gets frozen, gets locked in. That oh, this is just this is just me. This is what has been destined for me. You know, the the route. I've, I've, I guess I'm not destined to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm destined to go to uh, you know. Pawtucket, Rhode Island or something, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So, um, so oftentimes we, you know, uh, we get locked into that. And uh, in terms of blind spots, you know, we, we have many different things that get in the way. And um, there's a lot of noise, you know, that we're surrounded by. And it's sometimes hard to see through the noise and filter through. Yeah, I think that that's... That, that sort of goes back to what at least what I was thinking and maybe didn't quite articulate is this idea of balance if you want to you want to know where you're going mm-hmm. and and yet it's okay to make a shift or make a change because I think like one of the things you highlighted was that we get stuck in this label I'm gonna be this or I'm gonna do this yeah and when we automatically put that on ourselves 
sometimes that's really great and it can serve you because you're really clear. Sure. But when you know you say, all right, let's say, for example, I'm going to be a an engineer and then you mm-hmm. actually go to school and you realize, oh, I don't like math. <laughs> okay, well, if you're going to be an engineer and you don't like math, that's that's a that's a real that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a challenge. Yeah. And I mean because it really yeah. is the foundation of all engineering. And and I, that's a real simple, you know, people might say, well, duh, Jody, yes, if you if you're going to be an engineer, you probably know you need math. Mm-hmm. But that's a simple example and and how that happens actually and unfolds in the world of career. It, it it becomes very much more complex and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem as simple because when you feel like, okay, well, this is where I'm going to go to college or this is where I'm going to, this is what I'm going to become or this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't feel as easy to make that shift because you've placed some sort of value or worth, maybe you and or like you were mentioning earlier, teachers or your family has on this end destination mm-hmm. as opposed to... Now, I think you said Nantucket, Rhode Island. You might actually be happier in Nantucket, Rhode Island than you would be in Disneyland. But if like, you know, so so really looking at, well, what are what are my values that really align with the career choice that I'm making? And knowing that at every point you really can evaluate it that to know that if you're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything more that you would say besides or, or specific questions that you would want to ask yourself when you are evaluating and how often you should do that. I actually read your book, so I know, <laughs> but I but I want the listeners to know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm a very introspective person myself, so I'm a little biased. You know, I like to do it continuously, mm-hmm. right, all the time. In fact, every day I'm doing some, some type of reflection, mm-hmm. right? And for everyone, it's it's going to be different. So... For me, I'm reflecting every day on you know, when I, I meditate every morning. So I'm reflecting on, okay, what's what's my vision? Uh, what are my intentions for for today? You know, I'm thinking of all that. But you know, it's for a lot of people they get intimidated by by that type of thing. So yeah, it's, right. but I I think you know if you in terms of your career or in terms of your your life choices. You know, it would be good to do that, you know, a few times a year, just just mm-hmm. check in with yourself. And one of the key things that grounds people is knowing who they are. And we've been trained as a society, I'd say men more in particular, that your job is your identity. And and so being able to to separate that out, like who I am is separate from all of that, you know, everything else. And so that's some of the work I do with my clients is really help them discover who are they. And I'm sure you do that as well with the teens you work with, like their, their values, mm-hmm. right? Who are yeah, they uh, without all these other exterior pressures or exterior society, what they say, this is who you should be or how you should be. And, and that's just the stripping away process to really get down to the core of who you are and then look, start looking out at the realities, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that we can be Pollyannas and, and just 
dream and do whatever. Um, I, I think I encourage people to dream and right. to um, create that vision for themselves. Because if you don't, then you're not likely to get there at all. <laughs> right. And it's a key factor yeah. in and success of yeah, life, Yeah, absolutely. I believe. But the key that... And to stretch yourself. Yeah. Some people tend to miss out on is the action that's required in order to make the vision come into reality. Right. And and so it you don't just it doesn't work to just sit and dream. You have to actually then take inspi- I like what I like to call as inspired action. Sure. And and this is something that you know I do as a personal practice as well. I have a lot of things that I'm working on building and creating and and so when I focus on that one particular thing, I ask myself, what what inspired action could I take to actually make this come, you know, get one step farther? Because I think that that's one of the, I'm wondering if some of your clients are challenged with this. We try to go from A to Z mm-hmm. or A to M. Yeah. And really all you really need to focus on is going from A to B. Yeah, And you'll get from then B to C and move, but it's really just looking at, mm-hmm. and that that's really what successful people do is they take larger tasks, larger projects, larger yep. experiences, or larger goals, and they can break them down into bite-sized nuggets. Because I know for some clients that I'm that I work with, when when we talk about four years of high school, and then depending on what they want to do for a career, it may require that they get a five-year degree. And and so now for them, they're, they're looking at a long period of time, and that feels very, very overwhelming. And 100%, mm-hmm. it, it does feel that way. But when you look at it like, here's what you need to do in the next quarter of your life. Right. This is what we can focus on. And that's that's what I do with my clients is build a, a blueprint mm-hmm. where we can just have this particular three-month window of what we need to do during this time. Yeah. And it's going to set us up for success to be ready for our next quarter. Yeah. And so giving them the opportunity to just focus on what they need to do now, that helps, I believe, alleviate that anxiousness and anxiety sure. that that can be caused by this overwhelming place of I'm not happy and there's the 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 end there doesn't seem to be a sight in end. Do you yeah. have clients that experience the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I love your idea of inspired action because I think that's one of the key elements is having that compelling vision, something that you're going to be passionate enough about that you're going to pursue through all the ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? Because as you were alluding to earlier, there's not always a direct path to where you want to get. There's different routes to get to where you want to go. And there's potholes along the way mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're going to run into. Some big, some small. Right? And some of them are, yeah, exactly. And some of them are small and you'll be like, ouch, you know, and others are going to be uh, kind of totally derail you and you're going to get some flat tires along the way. And, and maybe you can fix it yourself and pull yourself back up and get back on the road, you know, replace that. And sometimes you got to call AAA, you got to ask for help or, or mm-hmm. someone driving by. And it's similar in your career. We don't have to do it alone. And it brings up this concept of, and especially with my clients, is like Martin Luther King uh, said something along the lines of, you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase, right? All you have to do is see the next step. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're alluding to is 
just what's in front, what's the next step or two steps, break it down. And, and to not to have to worry about, if you're clear on the what, like the direction you want to go, Disneyland, wherever it is, if you're clear on that, you're like, how the heck am I going to get there? How am I going to have enough money to even, if I do get there, I'm going to have enough money to even get in and have buy fun while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy a churro. Yeah. And, and again, that's where the catastrophic thinking comes in mm-hmm. and it gets overwhelming and then we do nothing, mm-hmm. right? But if we're passionate enough about it and we ask for help, right, from people like yourself, um, then there's ways we can get there. And so that's with my clients, it's a similar process. It's like, okay, let's start, even Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind, right? What the right. habit is that? I can't remember which habit. <laughs> it was seven habits of highly effective people. Start with the end in mind and then, okay, let's work work your way, break it down and, and, and start somewhere. So uh, that's what we do with, with, with my clients is where is it you want to go? And then let's create a plan of action and know that, hey, it could change. Mm-hmm. Just like in business, mm-hmm. right? With my, I have my own business and... I have a business plan and just about any entrepreneur I've, I've worked with or helped or known, nothing goes according to the business plan. Very rarely. Right. <laughs> That's like when you were referring to those potholes or divots along the way. Right. Those are not unexpected. The truth is, is that they will for sure happen. You just have to be ready to, to move through them gracefully and know right. you ask for help. And so when you get those experiences in life, I think that that's the important part of where these practices, I call them happiness habits, these Uh practices of meditation and visualization and journaling and affirmations, these practices with the inspired action is what helps you to bounce back from a pothole that could have gotten you a flat tire, but actually it just made you swerve a little bit. That's the difference between how those practices can really take you sure. on with your in during your journey and either make you know create that flat, flat tire where now you don't have anything you got you're not going anywhere and you're not moving or it was just a little bit of swerve in the road sure yeah and you could fixate on it and you say damn it you know that that pothole should not be there you know mm-hmm. this in rail on the city and all this other stuff and meanwhile you you're just you're just sitting in that pothole the whole time. You're not getting anywhere and you're just kind of damning the, the essence of it yeah. versus realizing, okay, you have choices, right? You have choices right now to get yourself out of it. And you have choices in the future, knowing that the next time you travel down that path, if you go down that path, that it's going to be there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you can curse it to no end, but you have choices, right? You can... Drive around it. Go. Make sure you go into an, another lane next time. Uh, it, take a different route. Right. You know, whatever right. it may be. Yeah. yeah. So, one of the things that was so interesting to me is this topic of how parents have an influence on their child's experience. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the things that that you really highlight is this idea of parents being in a place where they're supporting their child. Mm-hmm. without sabotaging or stifling. 
Yeah. And so I, I know that this is a, a, a real big passion of yours to speak to this. And I would love to hear what you would have to say to the parents of teens to make sure that they are in support of their child without that sabotage or that stifling. What are some, some maybe some do's or don'ts or, or yeah. just take it away? Yeah. Oh, this is something that's come up quite a bit. And, and many well-meaning parents who uh, contact me and say, can you coach my son or can you coach my daughter? Um, which is great. You know, they have a vested interest in their child's success. What, what often happens though is parents, and, and I have a teenage son, so, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone or anything like that, but I want to share some observations mm-hmm. and, and help those that are listening to this broadcast because the best intentions do end up sabotaging. So one of the, one of there's two, two key things that parents do that, that really sabotage their kids. One of them is, is, is what I call, um, Helicopter parenting, we've heard of mm-hmm. helicopter, uh, or we're familiar with that. Uh, but that is, with respect to the career, it's, 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 you know, being so focused on our kids and watching every move because we want to protect them, mm-hmm. right? The goal is we want to protect them and make sure they don't, they don't get hurt, uh, you know, and, and uh, we end up stifling them. When, when, when we do that and we are, you know, trying to, we might even try to steer them in different directions, mm-hmm. right? You should become a doctor. You should become a lawyer. You should become this because that's the safe route, right? You'll make a good income. You'll bring uh, status and pride to the family. They might not say it that way, but mm-hmm. that's often what's going on right. <laughs> in their minds from a cultural perspective or just uh, societal comparison perspective, whatever it is. So uh, that, that's something that definitely really stifles the kids. Then they, they don't, they're constricted, yeah. right? I feel that right now when I'm in this chair yeah. and I'm talking about it. Yeah. The, the other thing, one of the other dynamics that I've observed is uh, what I would call uh, lawnmower parenting, mm-hmm. right? And that is the sense where parents are trying to clear the path of any obstacles that might be in the way. So let's even say that the child knows what they want. Maybe they want to go into engineering and they've chosen that of their own volition. They're, they're mathematically oriented, yeah. all that <laughs> stuff, right? They're a whiz, a whiz kid, whatever it is. And as parents, well, one extreme of that is the whole college scandal, right? Mm-hmm. That, that went right. on with parents literally paying to fix tests and, and to get athletic scholarships that aren't legitimate. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the gentleman that they were paying to help, help do that, but that's an extreme. But we do that at smaller levels. We're trying to just remove any types of obstacles in their way. And what we end up doing is we rob them of that. So we create, we're operating as parents out of our, our comfort and con- convenience, mm-hmm. right? And, and to recognize that and the outcome of that. And this is what I see when they're in their mid twenties, their thirties, their forties, and so on is there's a dependence that's created. There's a dependence and insecurity that's created because they've always had someone do it for, 
for them before. And then in the workplace, they expect their managers, I talk about this a little bit in my book, they expect their managers to pave the way for them, for their career. They want to get tapped on the shoulder. They want their manager to promote them or to talk to someone else in the company to get them promoted. And meanwhile, they're a passive, uh, they're passive about their career. They're mm -hmm. a passive participant in their own career versus driving their own career. And so as, as parents, um, we think we're helping them. And I know the heart's in the right place. I catch myself with my own son. He's 16, mm -hmm. right? But if we're aware of this, and this is why I'm sharing this, if we're aware of it, we can actually do something about it, right? It's our own blind spot. Is kind of ease up on the gas pedal a bit, right? Ease up. And, and there's things that we can do as parents, you know, to, to help facilitate their growth versus inhibit their growth. Well, I would love to know what those are, some things that we can do as parents. And one of the things that I would share is that as a parent, I, I am a parent too. Mine is currently 15. Uh -huh. And I, I believe that two things cause parents to really become these types of parents. The first one is that they don't actually have enough faith and trust in their child that that they can actually navigate it on their own. And what you've said, then mm -hmm. it completely robs their child of the confidence that they actually are deserving of. Yeah. And so many of my clients, the number one thing my clients desire is confidence. Mm -hmm. And when you want to build confidence in your teen, you need to let them fall and figure out how to get back up. Absolutely. And there are ways to go about that. And it is so hard because I am a parent and I navigate it as just as well. But, and I, I say, I want her to make mistakes, but nothing too devastating right. or, or nothing that's going to completely derail her. Right. And that, that is true. But at the end of the day, when I know that she is going into a circumstance or a situation or a decision or a choice, I'll, I'll give her guidance. I not, not advice guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference there. Like here's, here's what I see as a different perspective with having more experience, mm -hmm. but her experience is completely different than what mine is. Everyone's in, in the whole entire world is. And, and so giving the opportunity to share an experience or what the experience looks like from your perspective is what I do for my daughter. And then I let her choose and decide. And, and when I say that I'm not talking little decisions, she, she just recently made a big decision to switch high schools mm. and wow. she is an ex she excels. She excels in her sport. She was a freshman on varsity. She ended with a 4.0 GPA and all honors and AP level classes. I, excuse me, not AP, not AP yet, honors levels. Um, I don't want to misspeak, but you get my point. She 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 thrived She's in that driven. environment. Yeah. She thrived, but she was looking for something that had an entity of an faith. And just to give a little bit on on that, the history of that, I had wanted her to go to this particular school last year. And she said, no, thank you. And I waited a uh. year. And she came around and she said, okay, I think that I want to try that now. 
And so she's moving into her sophomore year and she's going to be going to a different school. But, you know, that's not a small decision, in my opinion. That, well, that's, sure. Yeah, it's Especially really, at that age, yeah. it's, it's a huge decision. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I think that parents believe that they they know what's best. And so if I had been that parent that at becoming a freshman would have laid the hammer down and said, no, no, right. this is what we're doing. This is the choice. I'm your parent. I know what's best. Sure. Again, she thrived as a freshman. She'll thrive continuing on, but it's the confidence that she got in the opportunity to actually make the choice what she feels is best for her. Right. And it's been a miracle <laughs> of what the confidence right. level that she has now in herself. And, you know, I, I share this but there is a double-edged sword to it too, because then your teen can right. also have the confidence. And so it's navigating that place of you want them to be confident, but not so much that they're then gonna, you know, turn it on, <laughs> turn it on you. But right. that's where that open communication is and the trust is. So that's, you know, one experience I think parents just don't trust. And then the second is is that they are they're actually in fear themselves. Sure. And, and absolutely. That, the driver of being of being that parent, it's that they're in fear and they're actually when we've heard this idea that parents are trying to live vicariously through their teen. And yeah. because they didn't they didn't actually follow their passion or their, their desire. They didn't actually do that themselves and now they're trying to live their life through their teen. Uh, those yeah, are you see that things. all the time. Yeah, right. Especially on the, the football field or the soccer field or <laughs> you have baseball, pick your sport or dance or whatever. You know, their parents start to become overly involved um, on the field, so to speak, right? Or the, the floor. Yeah, I mean, just to echo that, that's exactly it. And so what I, what I encourage parents is to adopt what I call a facilitative parenting uh, approach. And, and what that does, it, it, it encourages your child to uh, take chances and, and, and to make, make choices of, of their own. And what that breeds in the long run is greater confidence, which I think you spoke to very well, and competence also is their skills, right? How do you get better at something if you don't have an opportunity to try it and practice and fail and succeed, right? And everything in between. It's the repetition of practicing that you become more skilled and competent at it. So then flash forward five, 10, 15 years later in the workforce, when they encounter something that doesn't go the way they thought it would, they hit the potholes at work, they have the skills to navigate it. And if they don't have the skills, they have the confidence to know that I'll figure it out, mm -hmm. right? I, because conf, what's confidence? Confidence is basically the essence that you have survived a challenge. You have survived a, a risk. That's what breeds confidence, mm -hmm. right? And so if you survive enough risks and enough challenges and, and enough of those things that maybe were unexpected or that we didn't think we could do. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to look back and say, holy cow. Yeah, right. I, I did that. 
no, I, I did that and I feel good about it, right? And maybe maybe I didn't get into the, my top choice school that I thought, but I got into this other one and may, had these amazing friends and these whatever. Maybe I chose, I yeah. thought I wanted to go into, um, into music and then I realized I didn't and I switched my major, right, into dance or something, whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. something else. And that's the other part. So some of the other things that we can do as parents is, is observe, right? It kind of goes along the lines of the guidance is observing what activities do they gravitate towards, mm -hmm. right? And encourage those. What do they naturally gravitate towards and what do they argue? What do they push back against? Because when they push back, oftentimes there's a value, uh, underlying value or trigger there. And under that value is, is some motivation, mm -hmm. right? And that's what can drive them. So by paying attention as parents, being present to what are they doing when you're not around, so to speak, right? You know, you have, like you have a toddler and you just watch them play in the play area. What toys do they pick up? Are they, are they building the Legos and building something? Are they uh, playing with dolls, right? Are they more into... Uh, kind of the, that type of imagination, because there's different types of imagination, right? Yeah. And so by observing that, then we can help them build upon it and encourage that, right? So they can grow from an area of, of strength and yeah. experimentation versus what, if, if, if we're trying to live out our own mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> selves right. vicariously, then imposing on them what we think it should be. Yeah, you, you become a facilitator, in your in that in those actions yeah, yeah. in your child's life and encourage them to explore mm -hmm. so sometimes as parents yes uh and that would be another success strategy is encouraging them to dream mm -hmm. right and ask them like what do you dream about like when we're kids i ask this of adults all the time what did you want to be when you were growing up mm -hmm. how many people are actually doing what they wanted to be when they were growing up not a whole lot and there's different reasons for that. Sometimes it's, well, it wasn't what I thought it was. Right. right? After they it. And other times it was because they were discouraged mm -hmm. from that. Right. Right. But if we facilitate exploration, great. And that's what I believe when you get to college, I think those first two years in particular are great. And so if you go in undeclared, it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. 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 That's for you to find out. That's why they have those core curriculums. You mm -hmm. find out, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I was surprised I actually like, you know, this topic. Yeah. So. And if there's something that is attractive to you, there's a reason why. It's, yeah, there is a reason. So find out. Yeah, exactly. And if you realize you don't like it, then that's okay. That's what, that's part of the process of, of what you do. And I, I help teens explore more at this age yeah. to sort of know, well, this is what I really like and this is what I don't like. And I don't, I, I try to focus more on the idea of, of what do you want to do with your life? What, what do you want to do in life mm -hmm. rather than what do you want to, what do you want to be with that, that comes with this label? And, and, and when I say that, it's really just this, with this perspective of, of career because what what do you want to do? I want to I want to help people. I want to build things. I want to 
work with a computer. I want to work alone. I want mm-hmm. to work with team. All of those answers actually, and these are you know part of the process, they they unfold this really great funnel that mm-hmm. allows kids to then recognize, okay, well then here's something, here's a career that has potential for me. Now let's go explore that and see, is that is this really fun? I'm looking at the fun meter because that it ultimately, if you're having fun, mm-hmm. and and I, because I do believe work is at, at the core of it, it is fun. I have fun with everything that I do. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot, there's a lot of hard work that goes behind that, but the hard work allows me to have fun. Like I shared with you before we started the podcast, like this is one of the most fun things that I do. And if no one listened, I would still do it because <laughs> it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> you know, luckily I do have right. great listening but you know that's that's the part for me is that it really is just fun and I and I if I hadn't tried it I wouldn't have known it. So I think yeah, that's- and that's the other thing too as parents and that's where the nudge comes in right and and it happens in the workplace too with with employees and a manager might see the potential in an employee that the employee doesn't see in themselves as a blind spot and so sometimes we might move them into a certain position or we might give them a certain challenge assignment as we as we call it and and then they discover wow they really like it or they they may not but you don't know until you try and it's the same thing as a parent with kids it's awesome if you if you have your child engaged in some different different activities and you encourage them to try stuff that they don't they might say they don't like it right like eat your peas or <laughs> eat right, your broccoli right. but you know, taking them to the theater. I take my son to the the, the theater, to mm-hmm. Seegerstrom mm-hmm. uh, Theater. And he, to my surprise, he loves it. You know, he doesn't, like, usually I would think he'd drag his feet, but I've been taking him for several years now, yeah. more than several years. And he enjoys it. When I was his age, oh, my gosh. <laughs> my parents yeah. tried to take me to see the Nutcracker. And well, I, I hated walking. it. I'd fall asleep during it. I, mm-hmm. I did not like it at all. It wasn't until... After I graduated college in my yeah my early twenties, that I started to even have an appreciation for for that type of thing, and I didn't even know that you could enjoy theater until I was on this one trip and I saw this uh, in D- Washington D.C. It was called a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, mm. and I was laughing. <laughs> I was on the yeah. floor and I was like. Wow, theater, it can actually be entertaining. It can yeah, be, right. Like I had only known one type, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, right. And, and so but there are some out there that are just downright hilarious. Yeah, and they're just really? downright wrong. Too. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, can they do that? <laughs> I've seen a couple of those ones too. Yeah. So, so what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is, don't you know, quote unquote, force your kids to try different things, right? It's it's a judgment call. It's a yeah. balance. You want to yeah. expose them. Yeah. At the same time, one of the challenges I see is many kids um, are over-programmed. Mm-hmm. They're over-programmed. And part of this, it's not all the parents' fault. Some of it society. Um, is society and in the, in the school education. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're a teacher. Yeah. I get frustrated personally at times because there's so much pressure on the kids these days mm-hmm. Um, when I took my son to orientation back in ninth grade, 80% of what they talked about was AP this and AP that. Yeah. I'm thinking, 
how many kids are actually going taking to this? this? You're going to take it. But it was almost as if that was meant to everything. And while I, I appreciate that there's that opportunity, um, and my, my son, you know, is a bright kid and he's taken some of that. I, I, d- I don't feel that that's what it should be all about. It's, it's like, where's the, the fun? Like, that's mm-hmm. what kept going in my mind. It's like, when I was growing up, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I was pretty driven and put a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I look back, I'm like, I wish I didn't take things so seriously. Right. My daughter is interested in sports medicine and, and there's an ROP class and it's just a basic you know, class mm-hmm. and, and ROP offers great vocational, even certificates. It's, it's incredible. Kids can actually graduate from high school with certificates and have a job offer ready and, and, and go straight into work. Awesome. And I think that, yeah, it's, in, it's absolutely incredible. What and kind of things in the ROP? Oh, there's automotive technicians. So you're learning all the computer science behind what I mean, really computers operate cars now, right? Yeah. And so you're learning how those two languages speak. So that's one of them. For example, there's, there's, you know, in the world of, of cooking, there's that uh, culinary is what it's called. So there's culinary and there's Mm -hmm. multiple levels again, that if you wanted to work at a, a bakery or a restaurant, that's, if that's something that you were passionate about, that's a great ticket into an, a, a bigger world if you wanted, if you didn't want to go to that four-year university right after high school, right. and 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 my daughter's so interested in this, and yet she's, you know, she said, "Well, I won't be able to take this class," you know, which which is more of an advantage, let's say, academically, mm-hmm. with regard to a weighted GPA and etc. And I, you know, I just said, "Well, you, you have to you have to choose," but there's that option, and that's a great if that's something that you're interested in, you take. Take yourself up on that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so again, it's just being in that place of having that conversation, giving her that guidance, and then ultimately yeah. letting her, ultimately letting her choose. And I, that was part of my parenting strategy while she was growing up. She didn't have to do anything, but she had to do something. Mm-hmm. And there was not one thing that I required that she do, yeah. but she did have to do something. And we always would open up the magazine, research on the computer. And, and I mean, I had her trying everything from softball to tennis to sailing and Mm. nothing clicked. And then one day she came home and she said, I think I want to play lacrosse. And I hadn't even ever heard of lacrosse. It's kind of a (laughs) new West. Yeah. It's it's kind of a new West coast sport. I mean, I'd heard of it, but it certainly wasn't on my radar by any means. Sure. And this is the sport she thrived in, but it was because she was just always like, well, I know I got to do something and I know, you know, so let's try this. And that was the one that clicked for her and she's, you know, phenomenal. So it's just in that place of always being in, in curious and always being an inquiry about what's available for you. Yeah. And and I think that's great what you've done in in my opinion, because you're, you're letting her choose and, and, and uh, you're not judging the choice, right? Just because it's foreign to you, you're not saying, well, that's, that's not a real sport or that's not the right. You're not yeah. judging it where, and, and I think that's something as parents, we need to be aware of our own biases too. That's kind of another aspect right. because I got to tell you, you can be passionate about anything and make a career of it. I mean, a hundred percent agree. There's so many assumptions that, okay, you have to be doctor, lawyer, engineer and all that, right? There's certain things. Great. But if someone loves to write, it's, Oh, you can't make money. 
you know, writing, right? I, I want to write a book. So maybe, maybe that's a goal. Well, we all know I've written my book. You don't make much money writing books generally, you know, most, most people that write books. But if you look at writing, that's a passion. There's a lot of careers that use that. I mean, think about the social media uh, blogging and social media manager. That that even that job title didn't exist five years ago. Right. And so, and it's in high demand. And there's people making incredible amount of money if that's important, or just a fulfilling career. Right. Right. And creative copywriting is a need in every industry. So this is where I say it's in high demand. Yes. And and or maybe music. Maybe your your child uh, wants to be uh, <laughs> you know uh, you know in a band or something or you know a rock star, whatever it is. Sometimes okay, maybe they won't make it. You know as you know, a rock star or whatever it is that they want to get into or a professional uh, musician. However, it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a waste at all or anything. They could still be in that industry. I, I have a client right now who's an en- engineer um, at a, a very large company, probably the largest in the whole country, mm-hmm. uh, and loves music and loves writing, but... The, his job has nothing to do with that, you know, like, likes literature. And so, but that's, that's a core need of his. I do these personality and career assessments as uh, I would imagine that you do it as yes, well. Yeah. A- and, you know, when the interest is super strong, I like to call that, it's a core need that if it's not, if they don't have a way to express that or have that be a part of their regular day-to-day life, then they're going to feel unfulfilled or it's going to just end up eating away at them and affect, literally affect their health mm-hmm. and their well-being. Right. Right. And so, so he has these elements. And so we were discussing it. Well, what role does it play? It doesn't have a role at all in his job. And so we're looking at, well, how might it, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, he says, well, I don't want to be, uh, I'm not a musician, but he likes to listen to it. He likes to surround himself by it. Okay, well, maybe there's a workplace that's surrounded by it. Maybe it's in the music industry. Maybe it's outside of that industry, but he can put himself there. Right, right. Right. Uh, with the writing, it, he just likes knowledge and the literature. He doesn't write. He more likes to read. So, okay, where is where is he able to express that, mm-hmm. right? So there's other ways t- for people to design a career. Yes. Right, uh, that's the name of your business, right? <laughs> divine design. Yeah, divine design. Yeah, so there's a way to design a career now, and we're in this gig economy and the free agent economy where you can. It's easier than ever to design your own career. Yeah, yeah. I had a client who loves dirt bike riding and she loves fashion, and I said, okay, well then let's look at how we can merge those two. Yeah. Because there is not a world of feminine female fashion, she she was a female, feminine uh-huh. female fashion in the world of dirt bike riding. And there are plenty of women who do that. I And if you, you know, obviously there's a lot more market research that goes into before you just run off right. with a career. Right. But let's start there and and let's look at what that, what that could be and what that could create. And she was like, really? Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, and I'm sure we could, Give example upon example. Oh yeah, it's endless. It's 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 endless. And so, 
so you know we don't want to to limit ourselves and this is something a message for parents and it's also a message for uh, teens or if you're listening in your in your 20s 30s yeah. 40s 50s doesn't matter how old you are there there's a lot of creative options no matter what age you are and what stage you are at in your your career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love all of the nuggets and wisdom that you shared, Mike. Thank you so much. And is there anything else that you would want to tell the listeners before we wrap up our episode? Anything? That's that a good you- question. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really just there's the process. Don't don't discount the process of, process of discovery mm-hmm. and allowing yourself to discover and allowing your child to discover. Uh, it's a really powerful thing. And we can plan and we can try to engineer an outcome as best we can. And so as much as, you know, I'm a coach and I'm all for creating that vision and that picture and, mm-hmm. you know, helping someone create a plan to get there, life happens. Yeah, right. Right. And I think to be present and open to that as things happen and seize opportunities as they occur, we might make a pivot. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay if we spent the last 10 years trying to engineer ourselves to one direction and something new comes along and we're like, that looks really attractive. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm really jazzed about that. It's okay to unhook from that and pursue something different. Yeah. Right. So, because I'm sure in 10 years of that endeavor, there was a lot of wisdom and skill that was built. That's going to be applicable. So it's not a waste. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of all, not as I tell many of my clients, no matter how old they are, somewhere in their fifties, I'm too old to change. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I challenge my client. I'm very direct with them. (laughs) I challenge them. I'm on their side. I'm always on their side, but it's, Nothing's wasted from all the stuff you've done. You'd be surprised on how things come into play. Right. That's how innovation occurs right. is by being taking something from one field or one discipline and applying it in another context. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's that would be my parting. I I feel like we could just continue advice. on really because I there's so much great stuff and 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 it really is just all about how we can best support people to reach their highest potential. That is what. I am yeah. here to do. That's what I I'm know. about as well. Yeah. And and that's what's important to me. I'm curious, one of the things that I love to do is hear people's favorite quotes. Do you happen to have a favorite quote that really drives you or keeps you motivated or on track or something that was the spark in in life for you at all that you can oh, think gosh, of? Oh gosh, I have a lot of quotes. I'll, I'll share one that's Part of my philosophy oh, with, with, with coaching and parenting for that matter and that's the I, I won't get it exact but it's you know uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day mm-hmm. teach a man to fish you feed him for a lifetime mm-hmm. yeah so uh, that's it's so true that that's my overall philosophy i want my child my son to be independent and self-sustainable i want my clients to be 
self-sufficient and sustainable so they don't have to come back to me. They might come back to me at some point, but it's for something else, hopefully, right. not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the confidence and the confidence mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to really pursue the career of their dreams. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's a quote that is a cornerstone Definitely for me. Definitely meaningful, yes. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I just want to acknowledge you for the work you do in the world and the vision that you hold for your clients and and what you provide for them in being just transitioning and being brave and you giving them that platform to, to stand in that bravery with them and take action. So I just acknowledge you. Your book is amazing. I've enjoyed reading that. So I encourage all the listeners to to get a chance of that. If they wanted to hear more about you or reach out, uh, where would be the best places for them to find more out about you? Yeah, uh, two places. Uh, certainly my my website, mikegelman.com is a great place. And I have some free resources on there as well. So check those out and, and access to different videos and, and whatnot. And then LinkedIn, if you connect with me on LinkedIn and tell me you heard this podcast or so I know who you are. Yeah. And awesome. uh, that's that's really a great way to get a hold of me is is, is is through there. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, we'll put all yeah. of those options in the show notes as well. So it's sure. easy access for the listeners. And I just thank you for coming in today. This has been a great interview. I know the listeners are going to get so much value out of everything that we've, we've had conversation about. So yeah. thank you so well, much. Thank you, Jody. All right. It's been great. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Divine Career Design Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show and share it with your friends. Connect with me further on Instagram at amplify.u or visit the website at www.amplifyu.org to join our email list and receive our free guide to a divinely led career.